In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast. You know, when you hear that beautiful British voiceover and then my voice comes on, then you definitely know we are global in nature. So we're sponsored by Anderson Hauser, a global leader themselves in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Well, guys, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this recording. I hope you're not stuck in place. By the time you hear this, you you may be. We're stuck in place right now as we make this podcast. Still working from home, still trying to be. I was texting someone the other day. I said, I'm, you know, working from home, trying to be a functional adult. And the, the spell check on my phone when I typed the word functional brought up the word fictional. <laughs> so I feel maybe more like a fictional adult than a functional adult. I know the closeness amongst family has been tough for some folks, you know, maybe a little too much closeness. I heard a statistic the other day that four out of five people felt closer because they had been brought together in all this. But that one out of five, that was a different story. In fact, I heard about a married couple the other day and they had kind of had a little little too much too much closeness, you know, and finally the guy lost it. And he said, you know, I was a fool when I married you. And she replied, yes, I know, but I was in love with you and I didn't notice at the time. So uh, <laughs> anyway, one of the ways to deal with this is to try to laugh. There's an old saying that whatever you can laugh at, you can learn to accept. There's an old saying among pilots, when you get into trouble up in the air, they say, fly the plane. And what that means is don't lose focus. You have to focus in the middle of the storm. You have to do what you would normally do to survive. You know, you've probably all heard the famous story from the late Dr. Robert Schuler, who was this famous motivational, positive mental attitude guy and, and all that sort of thing. And one day he had to speak, I believe it was at an Iowa farmers conference and they had had like the worst drought or the worst crop in 75 years or something like that. And, and he was, you know, how was he going to come in and present all this positive mental attitude stuff? And finally, he stood up before them. And as he began to talk about the situation, he said, tough times never last, but tough people do. And that actually became the title of one of his best-selling books. And so that's kind of where we all are here right now, folks. Tough times never last, but tough people do. And as a matter of fact, I have as my guest today a couple of people who exemplify that. I have with me Nick Wilson and his partner, James Browder. And these guys are from a company called Sanitizer for All. And we're going to talk about how that came about. Hello, Nick, and hello, James. You guys there? Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. We're hoping, you know, one of the problems with this working from home and staying in place and all that, you know, usually I do these podcasts and I'm looking at you in the eye. This makes it a little more 
a little more difficult, and we're hoping the marvels of modern technology don't let us down here. So, Nick, let's start with you. Actually, both of you are originally from Texas, but I'm talking to you. You're in Colorado right now, right? Yes, sir. We're both up here in Colorado. I'm in Denver. That's affectionately referred to by some of us as North Texas. (laughs) Yes, it is. There's a lot of Texans up here. Although I don't think the people in Colorado appreciate that, so my apologies for that. Nick, let's start with you. Tell us about yourself. Yes, sir. Well, I'm here in Denver, and I I like calling it North Colorado because I miss Texas, but I do love Colorado. Like I said, there's a lot of Texans up here, and we have Bluebell. But, you know, James started. He's a founder and pulled me in here just in the past few weeks of Sanitizer for All. I've been in oil and gas just a little over 10 years now. And I don't think I told you, Russell, the first thing for me, oil and gas was actually the Deepwater Horizon response that pulled me in. So I've kind of come full circle here a little bit. Okay. So wait a minute, wait a minute now. Okay. So this is an HSE podcast. So of course, things like Deepwater, that definitely gets our attention. So how were you involved in that? Yeah. Well, I was in Texas and right after it happened, I had a lot of friends that went over in the the disaster emergency response sector, you know, the industry. And I had some good friends from college at Sam Houston State University where I, I got a, actually where I met James. They were over in Pensacola and I went to go help with the cleanup aspect, working on the beaches. And then I kind of hop skipped in a jump to Grand Isle, Louisiana. And I was there for a few months working with fish and wildlife, you know, everyone else down there. We're all contracted you know, uh, under. Um, B- so you're B- talking about environmental cleanup? Is that what we're talking about? That is right. Yes. So that's your specialty is the environment? Well, that's where I started. <laughs> I started, so I was down there for a few months, you know, wearing a Tyvek suit, cleaning up whatever came ashore. We were running around, you know, south of Grand Isle, skiffs, you know, working with all the, the government entities and, you know, putting booms out and decontamination. And it was a very high-opening experience in oil and gas. Not the routes I'd expected. I gone to school to work in sports entertainment, but that was, you know, right, right after the, well, in the midst of the, the big recession and that came up and I said, well, there's a, there's a lot of work that needs to be done down there. And I got some good friends. So I went out and, and did that for a while. But right after that, after that hot, hot summer in South Louisiana, wearing a Tyvek suit, you know, 12 hours a day, not 12 hours, but a good bit of the day is when I came up here to Denver and once again, a lot of friends at oil and gas being from Texas, I got into the oil and gas sector working on rigs and it's kind of progressed since then. So what were you doing on the rigs? I started as a, a mud man working for Halliburton up here in Colorado and Wyoming. And James and I have a pretty big network of friends, you know, growing up down in Texas, of course, you know, working oil and gas, but it's Sam Houston. We both played rugby. And a lot of guys at Sam Houston, we had some good mentors. Our godfather, his name is Cheeseburger, his nickname. We all have nicknames. And he, he recommended some of us to go out and work in the field because he was doing that as a mud man too. So James was one. He can tell you about that. And I was one as well. And that's kind of where we both started in oil and gas. Well, I started cleaning up. But for the brunt of it, I've been working on the uh, the drilling side as a, you know. As a drilling service. fluids engineer. That's a fancy way. Uh, exactly. Exactly. That's, you know, actually the mud man does not get his due. When you think about everything involved in drilling an oil well, and I'm a little bit, 
I'm a little bit biased here because that's besides environmental, I got into the drilling fluids side as well. So I've been to mud school, but you know, the only thing holding that thing together is the drilling fluid. And the only thing making that whole, you know, drill and, you know, cleaning it out is the drilling fluid. So it's really important for those of you listening. And again, we do have a very global network. These guys are referring to the Houston, Texas area, which of course everyone will recognize. This school, Sam Houston State, is about 60, 65 miles north of Houston. I actually have a friend who is a mud engineer also, got his start in Huntsville, is a Sam Houston State graduate. The funny part is he he got his degree in criminal justice, which Sam Houston State University is known worldwide for its criminal justice degree program. Graduated with that criminal justice degree on a Saturday and, and Monday started mud school and hadn't looked back since. What reminded me, though, is he's from Canada originally, and he also played rugby. And I find that a little strange that a good old Southern school of, you know, I didn't know we even played rugby in Texas. <laughs> Russell, who is that by the fella? Grant Peterson. He's long, long before y'all's time, though. He owns Conquest Drilling Fluids. So, All right, James, tell us about yourself. Well, I've got a background very similar to Nick's. First, I started in the timber processing industry before in the oil and gas and a housing market crash. Back in 07, I'm sure everybody remembers, kind of put me out of a job then. And uh, that was the first time I'd been laid off. What I was seeing in oil and gas kind of reminded me of those times and you know, make the decisions I made to start this company. But after that layoff, I did what I could do to make ends meet and found an opportunity amongst friends, the same friends that Nick was talking about from Sam Houston State. I got my resume in front of Halliburton. And the next thing you know, I'm a mud engineer. Did that for a few years. I learned quite a bit about the job of doing the, that job in the field and got another opportunity to go to work for Brykem Supply. They're a wholesale drilling fluids company that enables retail, smaller retail companies to pursue work as a retail mud company. So I got to work with dozens of drilling fluids companies from the very small to the very large and eventually became their U.S. supply chain manager. Learned a lot of the process of procurement of the products that are used, the importing of products that are imported. And at the beginning of this whole thing with COVID-19, first, I didn't really connect the dots of how I might be able to make all that work for this business. Eventually, I started looking into it and realized that some of these products that people couldn't get, like hand sanitizer, I knew how to buy it. I knew where to get it. I knew who was making it. Okay, so let's back up here just a minute. So both you and Nick, though, you first of all became casualties of this latest oil and gas downturn and all that sort of thing. Is that correct? Or did you? I did first. I was recently just with Weatherford. And Weatherford had a large layoff, just like most of the major service companies here in the last. So it was about, it's been a blur the last few weeks. So excuse me, but I, I think it was about three weeks ago now that I was a casualty with Weatherford. And James, what about you with Brykem? With Brykem, I actually never ended up getting laid off. You saw the handwriting on the wall and you saw another opportunity then, huh? Correct. Head of the curve. It seemed inevitable that I would be laid off, just like anybody working in our industry. It just seemed obvious that it was probably going to happen. 
And I decided not to wait for that to happen and took these steps to start this company. Okay. So this company is Sanitizer for All. We'll put the website. It's sanitizerforall.com. We'll put the website in the show notes. So James, you started this company. When, when did you start it? It was a Thursday afternoon. I guess that would have been about the 7th or 8th of this month of April that I started thinking about it. And over the weekend on the 10th, I formed an LLC. You've got a, a DBA, a sanitizer for all, registered that trade name and started getting to work on it. Kind of worked around the clock through the weekend, doing all the paperwork, legal necessities to get started. So, but I guess officially the company came into existence April 10th this year. Okay. And as we record this podcast right now, it's April the 28th. So you're two and a half weeks into this company. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And so your niche is, is, is you're providing hand sanitizer. Are you actually purchasing it, importing it, or are you manufacturing it? What are you doing? We're purchasing in bulk from U.S. manufacturers. Uh, we're not importing that product and we are repackaging it into more consumer-friendly packaging. And we are selling it, providing it in bulk to companies that need it. And the majority of our business is going to be like selling small consumer use bottles, like 8-ounce, 16-ounce, 32-ounce, 1-gallon. Right now, we're focusing on whatever bottles we can get our hands on. Such a high-demand item, just the packaging of the material. At first, you couldn't get the sanitizer. And then a few people that knew how to procure that. The next issue was the packaging it goes into. Right now, finding small plastic bottles that are made for this product, it is one of our biggest challenges. And if you want a hand pump for those products, that's an even bigger challenge. So you see sanitizers right now come out. They all look a little different. You might order one product from the same company and then a month later order it and it'll be in completely different packaging. Okay. You said hand pump. Hand pump bottles are difficult to come by now? Oh, almost impossible. That's the only product as far as packaging or this product goes that I've considered importing just because of availability. But the lead times on that, it just doesn't make that feasible either. So the product that would normally be in a hand pump right now is more, you'll see it more in a flip top lid. You open it and just squeeze some out in your hand instead of pumping it into your hand. Well, there was a very critical shortage of hand sanitizer. I have actually heard of other, I won't mention any names, but I actually heard of a company that specializes in oil mud and emulsifiers and those sort of products. And I heard that they were making hand sanitizer. I've heard other people have seen this as an opportunity. Are we still experiencing a shortage? There is a shortage, at least for consumer size bottles. Right now, most of those manufacturers, similar to the one that you're mentioning, are focusing on selling bulk to government entities, fulfilling federal contracts, and companies like ours that are able to buy in bulk and repack. So, so that's uh, government contracts and they're supplying them to hospitals and nursing homes and I guess municipalities or these sort of things? All of the above there. We're seeing contracts out there for military, for hospitals. A lot of them are procuring those directly themselves. And a lot of them are being done by the federal government. So, you know, with, of course, you know, the drilling rig counts are going farther and farther down right now, but I mean, we're still, you know, the oil and gas 
industry still up and running. What are their needs? Are they providing sanitizers on the rigs and that sort of thing? We haven't seen any activity ourselves on that. I have talked to a few people that were looking for it, but a lot of our contacts we know are in the same situation that that Nick and I have found ourselves in. But I'm assuming that they're preparing for that as well. So Nick, are you the marketing guy for this thing or what's your function? I am. Sales and marketing, you know, we're both just two of us right now. Russell and, and James is the backbone of it, but we both do, you know, all jobs. We're wearing lots of hats, but I will try more and more to focus on sales and marketing. James, for instance, was at our warehouse till 2.30 in the morning, this morning, bottling and labeling product. Well, that was going to be my next question. You had to get into gear pretty quick. So what did you secured warehouse or you secured manufacturing facilities or distribution facilities or how'd you accomplish that? James has done most of the groundwork, but through through both of our networks here in Colorado, we secured actually a little bit north of Greeley, Colorado. If anyone's listening been up here, nice little town north of Greeley through oil and gas service companies. They had some extra warehouse space because they've been affected by everything that's going on right now. And they're great friends of ours. And they're very involved in oil and gas and also civil construction. at and services have allowed us to use some of their warehouse space up there. And it's a really good location and, and good network in uh, Well County to work with. So James done a ton of work. He brought me in, you know, just the two of us getting all the pieces in place. So a lot of phone calls because we haven't been able to do a lot of face-to-face. He's a little bit north of Denver. I'm down here in the city. Yeah, and you're working from home. You've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I do, and hopefully he doesn't jump in. I put on the Jungle Book a minute ago for him to watch what he loves. <laughs> it's yeah. hectic. My wife's working from home. We're both on calls, and and I didn't think I was going to be working. I assumed that I would be, you know, taking care of the kids, which I was totally fine with. I love them both so much. The next few months, and then. James came along and we both agreed, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of people, you know, friends, family, businesses that do need this. And then I think there's a lot of service companies, oil and gas companies, you know, that are trying to acquire it and some don't have the money. And, you know, it's, if it's just, you know, people that work for those companies buying it themselves, there is a big, big need right now. So you guys, are you, you're selling all you can get? Like the Bluebell slogan, except we don't eat it. Now, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now you got to you got to remember you're talking to a global audience here. Oh, nobody know. nobody knows what Bluebell is. Oh, I sorry, I just assume I shouldn't do that. So when everyone oil and gas has been to Texas and had the the best ice cream ever, but there yeah, you we, go. We sell all we can and we use the rest. I think maybe that's <laughs> the better way to put it. Yeah, the Bluebell is a ice cream manufacturer in a small German Texas town. What would Brenham be, 65 miles northwest of Houston, something like that, or maybe maybe a little bit farther? Yeah, about that, I think. Anyway, they're most famous for their Bluebell homemade ice cream. They have a genuine homemade recipe, and their slogan is, we eat all we can and sell the rest, you know, so very popular. One of those ice creams that people have actually paid to ice it down in dry ice and have it flown all over different parts of the world. So I'm glad to know you guys are the bluebell of the hand sanitizer industry. That's really impressive. I'm glad you came on the podcast. But again, 
I wanted to have you guys on because I think you're an example of focusing in the middle of the storm and not letting the storm knock you off course. And it's a positive story. And right now, I think for most of us who are listening, we need positive stories. And we have to remind ourselves that, you know, the storm will pass. We hope it passes faster than maybe what it it has so far. And so anything else you want to add to this situation or any lessons learned? Yeah. Plenty, Plenty of lessons we're still learning. We are sanitizer for all. Sanitizer, like James said, you know, is the core of the company. We are sourcing a lot of PPE and cleaners as well. A lot of companies that, you know, in these conversations have asked us for, you know, and, and protective masks, surgical masks, we're sourcing those in bulk in small quantities, the N95 masks, civilian and medical grade, disinfectant cleaners. We're doing that, you know, some other medical equipment. We are, you know, non-contact infrared thermometers. A lot of stuff has come up through other distributors who would like to use our supply chain and our networks that we're helping source a lot of that stuff, you know, gloves, gowns. There's a lot of things that when James started this and pulled me in that we weren't thinking about, but there is a need, you know, and whether it's a government or big company or just, you know, on on the smaller side, we are getting into that as well. Okay. Well, again, we will put your website on the show notes, sanitizerforall.com. If folks want to get in touch with you, I'm sure you guys are on LinkedIn, right? Yes, Yes, sir. Yes, we're both on there. Company's on there. Okay. All right. We'll put the LinkedIn profiles on the show notes as well. I want to thank you guys for taking your time to talk to us here at OGGN HSE Podcast. And I want to thank everyone again for tuning in. Please tune in next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. And you can discover more about Anderson Hauser at cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. And you can register for our monthly podcast giveaway there. Follow us on LinkedIn at Endress Hauser Group and on Twitter at Endress underscore US. And you don't have to remember all that. You can simply find it in the show notes. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. And we will see you next time. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.